morning. So earlier this summer, I overextended my Achilles and I was walking around with tape on the back of my leg and my heel and it took probably two months, <laughs> most of two months, for it to finally heal. So within the last week, I was actually able to wear closed shoes. It's easy to wear flip-flops in the summer, you don't have anything pressing. Pressing on the back of that Achilles. And so Friday, I went walking with a friend I hadn't seen in a couple months, and she is a power walker. We walked from our house around Mathworth and back in like 45 minutes, 48 minutes, I think was the total. <laughs> we were booking it. Okay. So I was, you know, head to toe. I felt it all day. And later, I sat down on the chair and propped my feet up on the ottoman, and my heel that had been injured landed on my ankle. And it was just this, yeah, like it hadn't been hurting at all, but I guess just the activity in the shoe, and I didn't feel it when I was walking. It was like, ooh, it pressed against it, and it reminded me of that wound that was still there uh, and was still healing. Another walk around Mapworth with my husband a couple weeks ago, I, it was low tide, and I we walked way out, and I slipped on some seaweed and caught myself when I fell with my hand mm -hmm. and landed on a broken shell <laughs> oh. that, um, that sliced it pretty good. And so a little bit of uh, urgent care and steri strips kept it together. Uh, and it's been healing really well. You can't even see that it's there unless you're close up. You can see something just very lightly in my skin. So yesterday, uh, Michael was doing some work in the garage and I'm moving things around. And somehow <coughs> I bumped this into something in such a way as I was lifting that it kind of pulls the pieces apart that aren't really together. And I was like, and so I'm in the garage going, ouch, 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 ouch. And I was like, what, what, like, what happened? But it was like, to look like, it doesn't even look like anything anymore. Mm -mm. But that was still there. And just that pushing on it was like, ow, yeah. again, as it's still healing. healing. I wonder if you felt that with physical wounds before. It's like our bodies seem to have the memories of what that, what those things are like emotional and interpersonal wounds can do that to us too. Something happens and they press on them and we remember those and the pain comes again. So both, so it can, can relate in that way. So maybe you've experienced that before you run across something or you see something or something that reminds you of a situation or a hurt that may still be unhealed, uh, even if you pushed it aside uh, and moved on. And then you feel that again. So our passage is today, take us into some important issues that we're going to walk through. And they use, before we go into it, a, a process called, there's a, a word called hyperbole, which is basically exaggerated, over-exaggerated statements to make a point, OK? Um, extravagant exaggeration used to emphasize a point is the way uh, Webster, Merriam-Webster defines it. Statements or claims not meant to be taken literally is the way Oxford explains it. So we'll do that. And there's an example in Matthew 7 from Sermon on the Mount, and we've, I think we've talked about it here before I know, well before I was here back in the spring when you, um, when you walked through the series with Eduardo on Sermon on the Mount, uh, would have addressed it too. And, um, here Jesus is saying, uh, in regard to our tendency to judge others, this is in Matthew 7, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but not, not notice the log that's in your own eye? Mm. 
clearly they're not walking with logs in our eyes, but he's making a point. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So the point is, again, not that we're walking around with plank. Some version used the word plank. Planks or logs in our eyes, but helping us to see that our view of others and ourselves and sins or misgivings or things that fall short in others' lives um, seems so clear. Mm -hmm. um, but when we look at ourselves, we sometimes don't see that. So uh, our passage that Ben read for us this morning in Romans talks about criticism and judgment of others. Why do you judge others? We want to welcome people in, and there are differences, but why do you make differences so big um, when we're in he's, where he's calling us to love one another? And as you recall, we've been walking through Romans most of the summer alongside Matthew, and uh, a couple weeks ago, we, Paul took the turn from sharing and clarifying about the gospel and we're saved by grace through faith, and just the beautiful gift that God has given us through Jesus, the forgiveness that he gives, not that we earn it. Um, and then in verse 12, we, he made a shift to begin looking at how do we live because of that? How do we live in relation with other people? How do we treat other people? How do we live in response to him and to God um, because of that? And so we're still in that place. And so he's continuing his his teaching in this area. Why, why, do you, why are you condemning? Why are you criticizing? Why do you see that as your role when we all are going to come before God? And so that's where, um, that's where we are. And he talks about the dangers of criticism because typically when we're criticizing somebody else, really what we're doing is we're elevating ourselves and putting ourselves right. in place. Well, you're not measuring up. You're not this. You're not that. Like what right do we feel like we have in that. And there's always a balance between truth and, um, but at the same time, um, he's, Paul is warning us to, to live in harmony a couple weeks ago to the extent that it's up to us, live in peace with all people. And part of that is not trying to elevate yourself above people or putting people, people below you, because that's not how Jesus lives, but how he lived. So we're going to go into our Matthew passage. Our gospel passage picks up where we left off last week. And for those of you who were here, um, we, um, it was a, a walk through how you address within the church among believers when someone has done something to offend you or harm you or sinful in some way that you, um, a way that you go about addressing that um, that begins with just you and the person and having a conversation, naming the hurt, seeking um, seeking to remedy that, and if you've done it, great, you've won the person back. Uh, but then if not, the different steps that you would go through. So this passage is this very picks up with the very next verse, uh, so it's a continuation of that conversation. So as we go into that, um, just remembering that Jesus, through, this, um, through these teachings, is kind of turning on its head the normal practices for engaging with people, even the way the, the Jewish church had done it, like just the way, um, the way that we live with one another in community and, um, and engage with one another. So he was kind of turning practices on its head. And as we go into that, I want you to just think for a moment over the last week, 
know, maybe the last month or the last whatever period, um, things that may have been, may have happened that hurt you in some way or something that somebody did or said. Um, just kind of think about that as we go in to this, um, into this passage. So I'm going to read the whole passage and then we're going to, we're going to go right in. Okay. Then Peter, so this is after the discussion about offense and dealing with offenses, came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Jesus responds, no, not seven times, but 77 times. Some versions read, so, oh, I'm sorry, 70 times seven is how this one reads. Some versions say 77. Um, there, and then he goes on, therefore, he's going to use a parable to teach here. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought into him who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. Completely. Doesn't say completely, I added that. Uh, <laughs> but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant. He came across a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Please be patient with me, and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called the man in that he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to give your brothers and sisters from your heart. Whew. This passage takes us head on into forgiveness and wrestling with it. But remember, this is hyperbole. So Jesus is specifically using extremes and in every single one of these cases and actually Many versions talk, instead of using millions, talks about 10,000 talents is the, uh, is the phrase that you'll see in some of those. And in that time, a talent might have been an entire year's worth of wage, of wage. so 10,000 years worth of wage. So what he's saying is that it's a debt that nobody, nobody could possibly pay. have accumulated, but that it is a massive debt that this king, um, that this king forgave. And the, the servant begs not for him to forgive the debt, to, to eliminate it. He says, just give me more time and I'll work to pay it off, which may or may not have been possible, but like he was willing to, willing to do what he needed to do. He just, give me a little more time. And the king, what did he do? He went above and beyond. And he's like, I forgive you completely. He mm -hmm. saw his, um, his humility and forgave it. Which is, um, which is huge. And I skipped over a really important piece that I want to back up to. I'm sorry. So 
This passage begins with Peter first asking the question about Jesus as they've been talking about how to deal with, with, um, with offense and reconciliation. Peter's like, how many times must I forgive? Um, because at the time, the Jewish might have said um, three, two or three is enough, and then you can be done. Like you can just, well, they, we talked, I think, last week or the week before about just writing people off. Mm -hmm. And um, so what, Pete, what Peter's doing here, you know, seven is the number of perfection in the Bible. So Peter would be thinking that he's being extremely generous. So how many times must I do it? Seven, seven? times? Yeah, like, ooh, Way look at more me. than is customary in our society. And Jesus is like, you're missing the point completely. If you're asking how many times, you're missing the heart of what I want you to see. And then he mm. goes on to, he goes into this parable mm. to help illustrate, here's what I'm talking about. But when Jesus uses the 70 times 7 or 77, in Greek words, that those are the, that was, was the highest word that, that you could, that you could could come with at least in expressing numbers in words. And so what Jesus is saying here is it's infinite. It needs to be infinite. And then he goes on, um, he goes on then to, to, to share the parable. And remember, you know, Jesus, is, Jesus teaches through parables to illustrate a point. There are stories that help him to, that help us to, to see and understand a point that he is trying to illustrate. Um, we talked about, you know, looking at the condition of our heart, you know, the seeds of the word that are planted and how they sprout or don't, and um, the importance of the kingdom, um, the beauty and the value of the kingdom. We've walked through many, we had three weeks of parables this summer that we walked through. So this is another, uh, this is another one of, um, one of those. So as he walks through each of these, and then the, the king, as we walk through, has forgiven the debt completely, allowing the person to go free with nothing hanging over his head anymore. Over him, his family, he's wiped clean. Uh, and then he walks out and he sees someone who owes him money. And what does he do? He attacks him, right? It's, he goes to extremes. He not only says, hey, you owe me. He grabs him by his throat and starts to, starts to, to choke at him. You, know, you need to give me this money. And it's super harsh. And the person's response, if you look at the passage, is exactly his response his plea to the king, um, and now this fellow servant of his is coming to him with the same plea, and how does he respond? So different, right? Um, but these extreme reactions, he pleads the same way, and he's like, no, I will not have mercy on you. You owe me this money to jail with you until, uh, until we can get this paid, or until your family to get you out of jail will come and help pay, or someone will give me uh, give me this money. So knowing that this entire parable is told in hyperbole with extremes, we then wrestle with these last, this last verse. You know, what do we know about God's character? Um, we know God is a God of love and mercy. We also know that there is a wrath. And I think it's important that we know that, that both God's mercy and his wrath stem from a place of love. I don't think Jesus, and the scholars agree, say that Jesus is redefining God's character as one who wants to torture us. No. Again, he's using extremes. He's saying, this is so important to forgive one another because unforgiveness is so destructive 
in our lives, in our hearts, and in our families, and in our communities, and in our churches, and in our world. But it's not an easy passage to digest. Uh, the song that Jess read for us this morning is such a beautiful reminder, and it's from this place. You know, let all that I am praise the Lord, and we sang about it in worship too. Um, he redeems me from death. He forgives all my sins. And it's out of that that we respond. So he's using this, this um, passage to us to illustrate the importance of it. Um, but we don't want to get stuck on images of a torturing God or other things. We want to look to the, what is the nugget that Jesus is trying to teach us. And he's trying to teach us that God has forgiven us, and he wants us to forgive others, even though our society says cancel them, write them off, um, as an extension of the forgiveness that he offers within context and within boundaries, and we'll talk about those too, um, because it's not, it's not a blanket uh, thing. But his point here is that Peter, um, if Peter was asking the question about how many times he's forgiving, he's missing the point. He wants them to understand. Um, he wants them to understand that there's this vertical and horizontal component to forgiveness that we'll talk a little bit more about. So a couple years ago, I was having dinner with a couple, we were having dinner with a couple who had been married more than 45 years, been married a long time. Um, and over the course of dinner, um, one, of the, um, one of the spouses was naming over and over again all of these things that this person had done over the course of their, the failures um, oh, wow. over the course of their marriage and you weren't here for this, and you didn't do, like, it was just this, and I was just sitting there listening, and the per the other person was just, you could just see shame, despair, yep. silence, it's like, what do I say to that? And, you know, Michael, as I shared last week, we're celebrating 30 years of marriage, and it's like, you know, Lord, don't, you know, help us to be forgiving with one another, because forgiveness is, we're talking about forgi forgiveness for big things, but we're talking about forgiveness for the everyday stuff too, the little things that we do that Irritate. hurt each other or annoy each other or frustrate each other or you feel like working against each other or with our parents or our kids, but the constant reminders over and over again just keeps those wounds inflicting mm. pain. Yeah. And I just remember sitting at the table feeling really sad yeah. for so much that was lost um, in that relationship, in that, and even in the moment when it's being shared with more broadly, however many years. I mean, some of these things were decades, decades in the wow. past. Um, and it's easy, again, to see that in somebody else, but it has me reflecting too. It's like, what are the things that I bring up? Um, whether it's with Michael or a sibling or my parents mm. or one of our kids, uh, thank you, God, that you don't do that. Yeah. Do that for us. But it's it's important to be aware of that. And so, as I stand here this morning with you in front of you, bringing this word, I want you to know I stand here with planks and logs in my eyes. <laughs> I as I have wrestled through this passage this week, there are things in our things in life that happen, and uh, things that are easy to forgive and things that aren't, and forgiveness is never necessarily easy. Mm -mm. Uh, but we can also um, slip back into things too. And so 
we're walking through this together and God's working in me as, as I also bring this word for us to wrestle with together and figure out, God, what are you showing us um, in our lives and in our marriages and in our families and in our workplaces and our church and every aspect of our lives? What do you want us to know? Um, you know, this is not an academic exercise of what is forgiveness. Um, no. It's, it's real stuff because anything that we might need to forgive or that we might need to seek forgiveness for are real things mm. yep. that really happened, that really impact people and us and lives and families. So, but what we want, to, what we don't want to happen is for it to grow in us and then we have roots of bitterness that grow, and that are that sprouting mean? and that was what I observed in that one dinner. <clears throat> it's like that had just and that's what was flourishing in that one part of, of their relationship. Um, we did, and we know that when bitterness and things fester in us and grow in us and flourish in us, it always presses into other stuff. It impacts relationships. It impacts our work. It impacts our families. It just does. Like, I sometimes can think I can wall something off, but boy, it just <laughs> something presses into it, and it just just pushes um, pushes into other stuff. So why is forgiveness so hard? It's just hard. Um, but sometimes it's our views of ourselves, and I talked mm -hmm. we talked about that a little bit before. Our views of ourselves and others tend to be a little bit skewed. So someone lies to us, for for example, um, we're like, and that person's a liar. Like that was like that was dishonest. That. And then there may be a situation if um, we've stretched the truth or been caught in not being 100% honest. I'm like, well, it's complicated. That was really well intended, but this. So it's like when we look at ourselves in the same type of situation, we tend to see ourselves more generously uh, than we might somebody else. Uh, second is uh, sometimes our ideas of what forgiveness is and what it isn't, isn't necessarily correct. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, and there's also what's usual and customary in our society. And things are, you know, things are different. Um, although forgiveness has always been hard, but, you know, unforgiveness, um, self-assertion, um, canceling others, excluding others is really commonplace. Um, society tells us we don't have to forgive. Mm -mm. People don't it's all deserve about it. Self. And, um, and which leads us to number four, it doesn't seem fair. And it doesn't feel fair sometimes to forgive somebody. Again, it depends. You know, it, there, there are levels of things that we have to forgive, but sometimes it just doesn't feel fair. Or we're worried that, um, that we might betray somebody, whether it's in our family or a business, if we were to forgive the person who did some type of an offense. Mm -hmm. um, so all these things come into play. It's just our, our views can be different. And then sometimes we just don't think we can do it. And I'll be honest, we can't do it in our own power. It requires no. mm -hmm. God, and that's why it's important that we think about <coughs> what is vertical and what is horizontal. You know, it's, it's because we've been forgiven that we can even consider forgiving. It doesn't originate with us. We have to take the actions but it comes really through what we've been given as the king forgave the servant and immense debt. 
So forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not saying that what happened didn't matter. It wasn't saying that it's okay. I know when I was growing up, and actually even when, when our kids were little, you know, one of them would hit somebody or take something and you know, bring them together and make them apologize to one another. I'm sorry, it's okay. Like that was kind of what I learned. My, but mm -hmm. it's not, forgiveness isn't saying that what somebody did was okay that they did it. If that, make, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It means that we're not going to hold on to it. Um, yeah. But it doesn't mean that it didn't matter or it didn't hurt or it didn't impact people or have damage. Uh, it's not minimizing the act. Like there's still a loss. Someone breaks a lamp or steals something, they're still out whatever that thing is. Like there is somebody bears that burden. It's not necessarily forgetting or acting or pretending like something didn't happen. Sweeping it under the rug, oh good. Doesn't matter. That's not what forgiveness is. And forgiveness is not always reconciling. It can mean reconciliation, and some, sometimes, oftentimes, can and does, um, but it doesn't always mean that. It's not always safe to mm -hmm. do that. It's not always possible. You don't want to expose people to additional hurt. Um, it's not always possible for reconciliation. So knowing that forgiveness doesn't mean, oh, it's okay, hey, let's go have whatever, coffee, let's go to the whatever. <laughs> Um, but there's some distortions on forgiveness. There's the me-only focus. So there's the, um, uh, if you've heard, I think Carrie Fisher said it, I've heard it through churches, some studies that I've done, that, um, that unforgiveness is like eating poison and, and expecting, expecting the other, other person, person to, to die. die. Right. <laughs> um, so, but that, that's also that's a very true. like internal me kind of focus. There is, a, there is a personal component to that. There's also the condemning focus. It's like, I'll consider forgiving you if you grovel and prove that you are sorry and repentant. Um, but, but both of those are, they're, they're imbalanced. So let's talk a little bit about what forgiveness is. Um, and I'm drawing some of this, actually a variety of different places. Uh, There's a freedom study that I've led seven times um, that I found very, very helpful. Um, Tim Keller, who some of you may know, pastor from um, Church in Redeemer City Church in, uh, in Manhattan for a long time, 40 year pastor. He passed away earlier this year from uh, stage four pancreatic cancer after a three year battle with that. But in November, he released a book um, called Forgive. <laughs> Why should I? <laughs> How can I? <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, so it's, but I mean, what a gift, like even after, um, after he's Death. gone, because, because what he had seen and walked with people over and over, how fun, and over and over again, and seen the destructiveness. So what forgiveness is? Um, forgiveness is granted before it's felt. So we have to choose an attitude to forgive. We have to choose that we're going to forgive. Choices lead, feelings follow. Mm -hmm. okay. If we wait till we're till we feel like it, <laughs> not gonna um, happen. It will continue to push on because it's always a decision first. It's a decision rooted in the love and forgiveness mm -hmm. and grace and mercy of God. Is the only way we can do it. Um, 
but decisions lead, feelings follow. Not that you do it impulsively right away, you still need to process and understand impact and those kinds of things, but knowing that that is something, that that's, that's the process. Um, it's releasing the person. It's saying, I'm not going to seek revenge or vengeance against you for what you did. Now, that doesn't mean there's a difference between justice and vengeance and revenge. And we talked mm -hmm. about this a couple weeks ago. We were talking about uh, when someone has offended us. And um, when we are seeking vengeance or we are seeking revenge, if we have not chosen to be in a different place, then we not only want them to suffer what they made us suffer, but we're fueling it with anger and pride and bitterness that tends to over even overstep what justice would be. So justice is still important, and I think there, within, the, within Christianity, within certain churches, like some, some or misunderstand that forgiveness means you don't seek justice, you just say it's okay, and you just let, you know, let things handle. God has put systems in place in our world. We have laws, we have ways, I mean, it's, there is, it's not unchristian to seek justice. And so knowing that we release the person, we release our right to enact justice. revenge and uh, vengeance on them, um, trusting that God, who is a God of mercy, also a God of wrath, he will hold things accountable in the end. But now, what we do, it is, we seek justice at the same time as we're offering forgiveness. So it doesn't mean that we don't do it, that, that there isn't accountability or consequences for what people do. Sometimes people miss, people within the church have misused this um, to keep people in abusive situations, to hide um, awful things that have happened. Um, that's not God's intent, and that's not his way. So understanding the, what the release is, again, it's not saying it's okay and it didn't happen. Um, it's walking through the tough process. It involves naming the hurt and not denying it or minimizing it. As we said, we spoke last week, and we, um, if something happens, you go to the person, you have a conversation, like, it impacted me this way. So it's not a matter of, um, of again, minimizing or not acknowledging that there was hurt. Um, it involved part of the process of forgiveness is this was really hurtful or harmful. Um, but it's also a commitment that we make. I'm not going to take revenge on this person. Um, but we still have to figure out how you're going to deal with the debt and the, um, and this the is burden. Dealing, this is dealing with people on the outside now, not taking revenge part, right? Can this be anybody? Can be anybody. Um, now, this is again. All, this is specifically in the section where it's talking about work with other believers. Um, but it also means in this world, because we are called to love like Jesus and to be salt and light in this world, and to be countercultural and to live like Jesus and to live like <coughs> Jesus involves this piece too. Remembering decisions lead, feelings follow. It's granted before it's felt. Um, we're going to refuse to conform to what society might say. So why? <laughs> we have, there's a musical, if any, any of you are familiar with uh, the frog and toad stories, the little kids, I don't know, they were, they were popular when our, when our kids were young, um, but there was a musical, uh, best soundtrack ever, if you don't know it, it's Frog, the, you're with Frog and Toad. 
Um, but there's this one place where the lizard comes up and Frog and Toad are saying, don't look at Frog, he's embarrassed in his bathing suit, he doesn't want you looking at him. She's like, why should I? And so like when I look at this, why forgive, like that's the, that's the sound that's in my head. Why should I? Yeah. Because um, <laughs> it, it, sometimes we feel like that, like a right? Um, but it, it frees us. And we talked about that. And it's not just an internal focus. Like there are physical manifestations of holding on to Amen. anger yep. and bitterness, ulcers, blood pressure, like patterns of coping through eating, alcohol, substances, things that help to take the edge off or that we use to escape. Um, binge watching series, I just need to just disappear for a while and <laughs> before you know it, you watch six hours of whatever show. Um, uh, scrolling on social media, you know, that, that dopamine <laughs> thing, that, that constant, um, and then we're, um, as we're scrolling, we're withdrawing from people around us too. So forgiveness frees us. Um, physically, there's the emotional uh, and relational piece. And we've talked a lot this summer about the lenses and filters that we see and hear things through, many of them formed through hurts and wounds of our lives, right? Um, things that, that are self-protective or that diminish things uh, or maybe condemning. Like we hear something and someone makes a comment we feel condemned or says something that triggers something uh, and we react. So it just, it, as much as we want to say that, that holding on to some of those things can, we can just isolate it and just live our lives normal, um, it still pushes on other things even when we don't. Forgiveness not only frees us, but it helps to protect other people. Mm -hmm. um, if this person, whether it's financial, physical, um, elite, like whatever the offense might be, illegal, you're by addressing the issue, by forgiving, and also seeking justice, helps to protect other people too. It also brings awareness to the person. I mean, you can hope that or they're like, wow, I didn't really realize that this was so harmful. Sometimes people do know <laughs> that it is, but can also lead them to, to be sorry and to realize, wow, I didn't realize that my doing this was so destructive in this way and could maybe bring about life change. It doesn't always do that, um, but related to this, awakening that person to the offense, because what happens was when we hold on to unforgiveness, it actually helps to fuel the, the person who, who did the offense. So evil wins, and what I'm, I'm not saying this very clearly. What I'm, what I'm saying here is when we hold on to that and you know, refuse to engage with the person or whatever, they're just like, you know, well that person, it just makes them feel more justified. Well they deserve it because they're not all that whatever anyway. So it just, but when we hold on to it, it pulls us down. It festers within us, and evil wins. Like, we don't want evil to win. And you know, in the passage last week or the week before, you know, we don't overcome evil with evil. Uh, we overcome evil with good. Um, again, not in our power. And it also honors God. It honors the love that He gives so freely to us and to others, and helps us to be salt and light in this world. But so how? Can we possibly forgive? <laughs> it's hard. Um, it's really hard. Um, but, and even though it's not natural, it relies on the fact that we know that there's the vertical Amen. 
right vertical component right you know seeking god seeking god's forgiveness because sometimes we're the ones seeking forgiveness i'm talking about as if we are the forgivers we're not always the forgivers sometimes we're the ones seeking forgiveness mm -hmm. too um but seeking forgiveness for god in it whether we are on the receiving end or the giving end of it um often like i can look back into conflicts over my over the course of my life or something with a sibling or something um, and for a long time, I could only see their part in it, um, but then realize, I think I have a part in it, too. And I avoided this, or I didn't do this, or I wasn't honest about that 100%, mm -hmm. like those kinds of things. And it's so, very complicated sometimes. It is complicated. But, but so seeking seek God, here. Mm -hmm. receiving his forgiveness, and really receiving it is out of that forgiveness that we can even begin to extend it to others. Um, the Good psalm, thing. again, the psalm today... Uh, remembering God's forgiveness of us, that mm. um, in faith and humility and letting go, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, of the right to be right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So. Do you want to be right or you want to be happy? Well, yeah, it's hard. Um, and um, is um, is forgiveness dependent on their response? Like sometimes. Nope. Um, sometimes people will ask for forgiveness, and sometimes they won't. Um, but looking at it and seeking and following God's word, okay, God, how would you have us do this? And there are a couple, couple different passages. One was um, a couple weeks ago when we were in Romans 12, as much as it depends on you, live in peace with all, um, even, even amid wrong, um, to the extent possible, right? Uh, in Matthew 18, it tells us, go to that person. Uh, there's also a place in Luke that says, if, some, if, you have, if someone has wronged you, you go to them. If you've wronged someone, go to them. So it's like we have some responsibility so, yeah. either um, in either direction. And sometimes it is just really, really hard, and we need help with it. So whether it's from a counselor or another Christian, yeah. to be able to talk things through, because we don't want it to eat us up. We don't want it to erode our relationships that are so important to us that it just presses in. Um, so... How do we, how do we do it? And part of it is beginning with a decision. Okay, God, your word guides me. I've received your forgiveness for so much, so much. Help me. Mm. I can't, I don't even want to. Um, but we can choose right. to. And eventually the decisions follow. And there's a commitment that we make when we do this. Okay. Um, and there are these Three things, and this is from from Tim Keller's, and it makes it makes so much sense, and it's something that that I've seen lived out too. Is we commit not to keep bringing the matter up to the other person, so like that dinner that I shared about, um, or just in our homes, in our families, or in workplaces, whatever. Um, not continuing to bring it up over and over to other people to make them look bad and make us look good to see how they have hurt us and not bringing it up to myself. So not bringing it up to them over and over, not bringing it up and replaying it for the rest of the world to continue condemning them too, and to not ruminate on it and replaying it over and over again because that just keeps growing those seeds of bitterness. Mm -hmm. It's hard. And resentment. And yeah. Ugh, yeah. Nasty, nasty stuff. All of that. Um, and pray for them, right? So, Scripture says, pray for those who persecute you. Uh, we talked about that earlier this summer, too. Um, 
in a situation where I was wrestling, I had to really seek God. What mm. could I possibly pray? Yeah. What could I possibly pray? And what I was led to pray was for healing, for whatever caused it, caused that pattern in that person's life. Um, but it all comes from brokenness. Yeah. Hurt people hurt people. We've heard that before, right? Um, we break the cycle. Tim Keller reminds us, as he, he talks about prayer, he said, it's hard to stay angry at someone if you're praying for them. Yeah. <laughs> That's one. Um, it's also hard to stay angry unless we feel superior. So that we have to bring ourselves down. And it's hard to feel superior if we're praying because we come to God as a forgiven person. Amen. Uh, as his child uh, who has been loved and redeemed. So Jesus, loving, compassionate, humble, holy, fully God, yes. fully human, who loves us to the end, prayed for us in the garden even before he was taken away. And how often we speak of wanting to love like Jesus, and we do. Um, we're generous with our time. We serve. We um, serve generously. We serve with, we meet people with compassion, particularly those who've been hurt and rejected. We're a safe harbor for people. Uh, we want them to know Jesus' love. You know, we want to, the person on the side of the road, we want to help them, someone who has been wounded in a lot of different ways. Um, where are we? on this because we looked at Jesus and his example. He moves towards compassion. He moves towards us with compassion. Uh, it's a visceral response no matter what we're going through and for others too. But Jesus who was betrayed, he was abandoned by those who loved, who he loved, um, who proclaimed that they loved him too. Judas, clearly. Um, but the other disciples, even Peter, turned his back on Jesus mm. and denied him in yeah. his darkest hour. Yeah. And after he suffered, Pilate tried to release him, and the priests and the people tried to crucify him. And we know that it was his love, not those nails, that kept him on that cross, that we might have and be able to receive his love and stand before God and receive his mercy and his grace. His purity. Um, each of you and me, he did this for all of us, and even for people who don't know him yet. And as he hung on that cross, do you remember what he said? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. You couldn't hear him about Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was hurting. He was suffering. He was dying. And he was forgiving. So in, when we're hurting and we're suffering, can we? Yes. Can we? We don't do it. We don't do it on our own. But loving like Jesus also means loving like this. Mm. Amen. It's hard. It is. It's hard. But we, we can do it. We still need to allow ourselves time to grieve, to process, but to know that he who loved us and forgives us helps us to do the same and forgive others. And release them again. Yes. It doesn't always mean reconciling. It doesn't always mean re-entering relationships. But in those places, we have to wrestle with why um, and how we might respond. So it's out of his deep love and his forgiveness that we can do it. Not because people deserve it. Mm. <laughs> um, not because we're good in our own right or they are. No. Um, but because he forgives us. And it's through his power to bring wholeness 
to our hearts and our relationships and our families and our lives and the world around us. I think again about Peter. As soon as that rooster, one of the roosters crowing across the street, did you yeah. hear it? Um, as soon as I love that, I think about that every time I'm here when I hear that. Um, when, that when he heard the rooster crow, as Jesus wow. told him, before wow. the rooster crows, you will deny me three, three times, and he did. And when he did, he realized what he had done. Like he saw Jesus, he heard the rooster, and he went and he just wept bitterly. Like he just was heartbroken, um, and he withdrew. For a while, and after his resurrection, Jesus would find Peter, find all the disciples, but he would find him on the shore, and they would share a meal. And Jesus would look at him and he goes, Peter, do you, you love, love me? me? And he said, feed my sheep. Three times, three times that he denied, Jesus would say, and he redeemed him. him, redeemed him, restored him, and Peter would... He would be transformed Amen. through Jesus' love and forgiveness, and he would change the world. We're standing here today because Peter Jesus forgave, Peter was restored. Mm -hmm. Peter, who preached at, Pente at Pentecost, and 3,000 came to believe, and author in, in the Bible, and just continued passionately to live for Jesus. We can get lost mm -hmm. when we make mistakes. Um, so whether we're forgiving or forgiven, we can live out of that. He forgave Peter. He forgives us, and he offers that to everyone. Amen. So the question Amen. for us is, are we willing to let his mercy transform us? Yes. In Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. It's humility versus pride. It's patience uh, and understanding, readiness to heal what's broken in us and the people in the world around us. We can see it in our relationships. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, when um, Paul's talking about love, and uh, love is patient, love is kind, keeps no record of wrong. Amen. That's the forgiveness piece. Um, divine forgiveness leads to human forgiveness. Amen. Christians are known for their love, for their love of others, how they love one another, how they love other people, how they serve and love in this world without judgment, and it also includes forgiveness. Amen. But will we? We could be lost, um, get lost in the betrayal. Relationships break, but amid our suffering, how to wait? Might we begin to move towards forgiveness? Real hurts, real pain, real offenses, real betrayals. Um, not as a flip, uh, flip of a switch. <laughs> Doesn't happen that easily. Um, I have an issue that I have wrestled with and had forgiven, and it crept back in. I mentioned having done that freedom study for seven times, and there was like a three-year period where I didn't lead it, and so I wasn't attending to that all the time. I just kind of forgot about it. And then, boy, it just reared its ugly head again, and it took a lot of wrestling, and it still does. I'm still still walking walking through that. Mm -hmm. So, but in our walk through Romans, we've talked a lot this summer about the filters and the lenses that we see and hear things mm -hmm. through, and I've shared how I will look to God and say, God, show me what you see in this right, situation, right. in this person. How do you see me in this person? <clears throat> and what I realized this week is with this situation, I don't even ask. I don't even ask. So I'm asking now. It's not easy. No. Oh, but he's with us and he empowers us. So as we're wrapping Romans, we um, 
I'll share from Romans, Romans, I'm sorry, 15:13, which is on the backpack tags of each of our kiddos and teachers and staff. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then in Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Amen. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know that this love surpasses knowledge, and that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Amen. All the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we might ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever Amen. and ever. Amen. Rooted Amen. in love, not bitterness. God, we need you. We trust you, God. We uh, wrestle um, with stuff. We have misunderstandings of what forgiveness is, what it's meant to us in our lives, how we've seen it play out. Um, Lord, we come to you like children, humble, open, um, hands open. Lord, would you heal those places in our minds and in our hearts that are um, allowing uh, unforgiveness to take root and to grow into seeds of bitterness that not only stem to other people um, or to the person who caused us harm or to ourselves where we feel like we've failed and can never be redeemed. Um, both of those are lies. So Lord, help us to realize that what you want for us is to be whole and to be free and to love like you love in every way. Thank you for loving us, for forgiving us, for calling us your own, for being with us every moment in every smile, heartache, tear, joy. Um, we need you. Mm -hmm. We trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.